Hi, hi, hi. Hello. Still waiting on Pablo for a few minutes. He said uh, to be here, so I'll... Yeah, I saw, I saw... Wait, no, that might have been just a ghost phantom. I don't know. Ghost phantom. I saw his icon for a minute, but then it disappeared. Yeah. Right. Speaking of ghosts, Super Bowl. Okay. I... <laughs> brother versus brother, Civil War. Well, more, 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 yeah, more like, don't let the lights be out for too long. You know where you are. You're in New Orleans. Oh no. There's some ghosts, some voodoo going on. All them Katrina dead are gonna come back and and have their revenge. Uh, that's just funny. The lights go out at the Super Bowl. Just, my God, how how do you? How's your situation right now, Kitty Hawk? Well, so far so good, except for the uh, the obvious. Well, they came in and looked at all the the joins and all that, and they said, "Yeah, this build, building was built before there was code." <laughs> was and, was it built by convicts? Possibly. <laughs> um, and they were just pointing out, like, "You see this? This is not really a wall." I'm like, "Ah, oh, Jesus." <laughs> And they said, and this piece of wood is protecting your power box. I'm like, nice. So it's it's almost like the episode of The Simpsons where this is a load-bearing uh, poster. Yeah, it, yeah, sort of like that. I mean, I just was like, well, you know, it doesn't rain that much here. So I can see that, that would, they couldn't have caught that. So, uh, so I was just like, okay. Is it going to work for right now? That Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's all I care about. <sighs> I got surge protectors. I've got battery backup. I'm good to go. I put my Cintiq on a battery backup because I'm like, I don't want my baby to be messed up. My precious. Let me look outside and hope that this isn't the power guy. No, not the power guy. Okay, so he's got the power. Yeah, I can't remember how it goes. Uh oh. Why is your desk? Yes. You got the touch. I've got that stuck in my head all weekend. That's a good thing to have stuck in my head, though. All right, Neil. Any last? Oh, yeah, Neil. Fest. The the only thing he let me tell you the two things he mentioned to me about the podcast. So first of all, he told me that the. that uh, we should we should talk about Mario as a nostalgic thing and not bash it because that's what we do now. We just needle- needlessly bash. We things. don't needlessly bash things. We, I mean, I thought there was You're a lot cr- of Mario love in that show. We were we talk about the games a lot, certainly, and we love the games. Yeah. And then, then the, he said, the and then he that said great. that uh, that we should do an episode on Dragon Ball Evolution, even though it's not animated because it's based off an animated show. I'm like, that's Why? a stretch. That's Dragon that's Ball crazy. Evolution. Which which one's that? The live action Dragon Ball movie. Uh, oh, Fezwork that said we that. Okay, I've never. That. Like, no. I avoided that like the plague. Let's see here. And I also, said, I complimented uh, uh, Danny Wells and Captain Lou on doing a good job of Mario and Luigi. Yes, you did. And then, yeah. uh, okay, let's see here. Where's the next thing he he says? He said he would mute me on Team Fortress Two when I revealed that the part of my uh, part of my sucking out enemies on that game t- is. Hitting the mic button and singing the "Do the Mario." <laughs> I was getting MVPs on those rounds, anyways. Uh, and I and he says he says I'd mute you. I'm like it's psychological warfare. 
And then he says, well, to correct you, Luigi starred and Mario is missing. You know, I did think about that, yeah. but I was like, eh. Mario's mi- well, yeah, technically, but that game was kind of, like, it was an educational game. It doesn't count. Yeah. And then he told me his Dr. Super Vagina joke. <laughs> it, basically, he was saying, when I was watching Moonraker with a group of friends, I said, I said, the doctor's name will be Super Vagina, and everyone started laughing. I'm like, eh, Fess, that's not really a joke. Well, you know, maybe if you're there. And drunk. You know, maybe it's an inside joke. Uh, oh. It's well, it, it, like I said, you really can't top Fleming because Fleming pussy galore. I mean, oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what do you do after that? Um, make the uh, recent James Bond movies. Like I said, I I, I just picture you know Ian F- Fleming uh, on the stage, you know, and he says, and the lead the the, the lead woman is named Pussy Galore, and then he throws the mic down on the on the stage like. <laughs> Like, like, beat that. Yeah, I don't think you can beat that. That's, that's the ultimate right there. Did you ever read Goldfinger? No, I, I haven't Okay, okay, it. okay, it's, uh, I think Neil will like this. Neil, have you read Goldfinger? No, I have not. Oh, oh, Neil, this will make you run to the library. Okay, um, uh, Goldfinger has in his, in his arsenal a, a, a troop of women, uh, acrobat flyers. That are all lesbians. Yes! You've already sold me on this. And Pussy Galore is the leader of this all-lesbian acrobat flyers troop. And see, the thing is this. James Bond is so damn sexy in the book, he actually converts her. Man. (laughs) Super, super testosterone right there. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Come back, you fat-bearded bitch! Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Uh, tonight we're talking about the best cartoon songs and theme songs. Uh, uh, this is your host, Ben. Join my co-host. Swing your arms from side to side. And joining us is our favorite guest, Kitty Hawk. And maybe in a few minutes, Pablo will be coming too, but we're not sure yet. But I just want to put that out there early on. Uh, so the way this works is uh, it's it's our it's our own personal top tens. We'll each have a top ten. And... Um, what counts are opening themes, ending themes, and scores. And what I mean by a score is a score that is thematic for that particular show. So if if there's a show that has, if there are, or I should say, if there are multiple shows that have the same score, that doesn't count. It has to be, like, unique to that show. So that's basically how it works. Yes. Yes. Yes, I see. Let's go. Okay, so Neil's top ten animated themes. 
Um, oh, another thing is that the way I picked this out is I didn't go for like popular choices. So, you know, you're not going to see like Thundercats or Transformers or, or like Mask on here. What, these are, these are songs from cartoons that. Mask is popular? On some websites. Uh, I don't know. But basically these are, these are, these are theme songs from shows that, um, I may not even particularly like the show, but I think the theme song is cool. So, uh, right off the top, uh, number 10. Cats and company have fun, playing pranks on everyone. New adventures every day, the cats will always get their way. Heathcliff, Cats and Company. It's very atypical for what you would expect for, for this type of cartoon. Like, uh, the, the antithesis to this would be uh, the theme to Garfield and Friends, which is uh, a little more cartoony and silly, not really not really something that I would put into my MP3 player if I wanted to listen to it. <laughs> the Heathcliff one is actually very catchy, and well, there's two Garfield and Friends scenes. First, of you know, friends are there. Yeah. And the second yeah. one's a lot more upbeat and salsa. Yeah, but even that one, I, I'm not into salsa. It kind of sucks. There are also two versions of the Heathcliff theme, and the second one they they kind of uh, they kind of pushed out. They uh, uh, after so many episodes, they changed some of the lyrics to to specifically address Heathcliff. It doesn't ruin the song necessarily, but uh, they, it doesn't, I don't know, I like the original lyrics just because it, it stood out on its own, and the one they added later was just kind of, I don't know, I, I, I didn't really like that they turned it into the Heathcliff theme song. So the original version, I'm, go, I'm putting at number 10. It's a really good, uh, the, the one, yeah, the Cats and Company one is much better. The Heathcliff yeah. one, though, I can see why they did it. Maybe they thought children were stupid. <laughs> They might get confused and think that it's about riffraff. Yeah. Oh, or, or the kids already get confused and, and start getting hot for riffraff's girlfriend. Oh, wait, that already happened. That already happened. JT! <laughs> I, I, well, will, I, mean, I will give him this. She's Her her silhouette is, is very... Human? Yeah, very human, very nice. But the fact that she is mm-hmm. a cat... Yeah. yeah nah. I got to draw the line there. Out of all the furries in the 80s, yes. her silhouette was the most... Well, she, she was wearing a, a, well, sort of wearing a gymnastics leotard, only well, no, not she really. Was, she, not really. She only had the little uh, leg warmers, and didn't she have, like, the little wristbands or something? Yes, I think so. Yeah. But I actually like that part of the show better than Heathcliff anyway. Like The Cadillac Cats? Yeah, I like that better, because Heathcliff was kind of, oh, he's a cat who's doing wacky things. Over here, at least they're, you know, they've got a cool, cool car and... You know, uh, but that was definitely one of those shows I would just sort of like, oh, it's on. I'll watch it. Yeah, it was kind of the same for me. I It was kind of hit or hit or miss for me. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're a kid and the cartoon's on, you're like, eh, I can watch this. The animation was good. Yeah, the animation was pretty good. That was back really when deep. Deke gave a damn. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Deke. Deke. Well, well, Deke doesn't Dick. even exist anymore. No, they don't. Thank oh. God. Yeah, they well they had a really good overseas studio for the longest time, and then somewhere around eighty eight, eighty nine, it kind of fell apart. It was Toei, oh. Neil. Are you sure? Because it didn't look like Toei. It looked. It was Toei's B team, but that was Toei. Uh, that I would explain. So. No, now now that explains why they had Sailor Moon then, because yeah. Sailor Moon's Toei. Yeah, but that was that was more post. That 
But, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, later on, like, if, if it was the same animation studio that was working for them, and they picked up a series from the same animation studio. Yeah, but Deke, Deke was the one studio, it was weird, I always knew a Deke cartoon when I saw it. They always had that, mm. they had, like, a specific style. Yeah, I, I, I know I always knew it was about. them. Yeah. And then I'm later pretty they sure just it was Toei. I don't think it was TMS, even though yeah. TMS did... I think TMS did touch a couple of episodes of Inspector Gadget, though. No, I think Deke had, like, some weird studio that... I, I, I read this once, and it was some studio that I had never heard of before. And it hmm. was some studio that they always used, and I can't for the life of me remember it. Hmm. Okay, well... We, we've trailed off of songs, so I guess we'll move on to number nine, which is... Fist of the fucking North Star. And the reason why this is on the list is because, as most people who know me probably know by now, is I'm a metal guy, and this is metal. In fact, this is 80s metal. This is like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest metal, and like men were allowed to sing really high and sound like women when they hit the high notes. Well, the Bee Gees did that too, Neil. That's different. That's... (laughs) That's sounding like, that's sounding like women all the time, whereas Oh you know, Whereas Bruce whereas Bruce Dickinson earned earned the nickname the air raid siren just from being able to hit high notes. But he also hit a lot of low notes. He had a he had a very wide range, you see. Whereas the Bee Gees, you know, they were always up there. Not it's, always. They had it, some pre fault falsetto songs like a New York Mind Disaster, I Started a Joke, uh, or like ELO, I can't ever hit the... Even though I'm a woman, I can't hit those notes. Just too high. The notes are too high! Yeah, in fact, I think this this particular theme had two singers, and, and the second guy was the guy who hit all the high notes. So they had the sheet music, and he decided, I'll take the high notes, you'll take the low notes. Something like that. But yeah, this is a testosterone-filled thing. Yeah, this is this is from a time when being in a band meant that you were a man and not some whiny bitch who's like, We must stand together. No, no, fuck that shit. This is a man song. No, it is, it is pretty fucking manly. But anyway, number eight. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of pole position. And this is yet another case where 80s Deke just knew how to make great theme songs. Unfortunately, this is one of those that there is no way to get to really get a clean version because as the song begins, you have you have Jack Angel from now on as your parents were, you are the secret force of pole position. And I'm like, "Wow, I really wish I could hear this song without that on top of it." What does that even mean? I don't know. It it was we have a trademark that we're borrowing from a from a video game company. So let's put it on this show that has nothing to do with the video game. Well, I mean they got with, cars. With the Vidja. But the, I mean, the cars, cars the cars could just be just as easily have been from like Hot Wheels or something. Yeah, but 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 they're cars, so therefore call position. There you go. And and that's all you need. That may be all you need to know. And it was, no. uh, the show itself was kind of like a, if, from what I remember, it was kind of a ripoff of Knight Rider. I mean, there was a, <laughs> there was a semi-truck and there were cars with uh, robot personalities, except there were yep. two of them instead of one. It's better. Michael Knight There's is two. a man with no past. 
And I think I think they could both transform and fly. Well, actually, no. Knight Rider had super pursuit mode where all these airfoils came out. Uh, yeah. I see. But I don't really remember pole position. Like. Yeah. I sadly yeah. remember more about Knight Rider than pole position. Yeah, I remember Knight Rider because when I was a little kid, I named the car Knight Rider because I was like three. The thing about the '80s is that they would get these properties and then they would just make. Car- they would just make the cartoons however they wanted. So, you know, the Donkey Kong cartoon really didn't have anything to do with Donkey Kong. They'd the still do that. Anyway. They still Pac-Man. do that. <laughs> Pac-Man, what could they what could they work with? I mean, it was a maze game. Like Waka the Waka. The, so- the Sonic cartoons are like they're set on Earth. Mm-hmm. Like what the fuck? So they still do it. It's just not as egregious as it was. True. So anyway, I guess we'll move on to number seven. First of two Bubblegum Crisis songs, uh, Big City. Um, it has a different name that I just clicked away from. Konya wa Hurricane? Oh, here they are. Rocky Like a Hurricane. Rock. No, that's a different yeah. song. I know, but that's still a great 80s song. Nice picture they put up right there for us. I like all four of them. They're all fine. It brings back memories. That character designer, Gold. Getting uh, getting older people to go buy me anime. Mm. But anyway, the song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, the 80s. That's all I have to say. Um, 80s is awesome. Oh, hold on, Neil. Here comes a new challenger. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Choose your fighter. The ultimate fight is about to begin. This is the millennium fight of Capcom versus SNK. Can you believe it? Stand up. Go for it, man. Are you man enough for this battle? Let's find out! Air Combo! That guy they have at Capcom who just patters on and on and on and on is awesome. Pablo, we need more signal! Boost the power! Anyway, uh, where were we? Oh yeah, Bubblegum Crisis, uh, Big City, uh, rockin' 80s tune, big hair, um... Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how else to explain it. It's got that 80s music vibe. Anything that captures that. Like the new Double Dragon game? Awesome. I, I agree. It's uh, it's like, with me, it's one of the funniest uh, anime music videos I've ever seen was when they combined A-Team with uh, Bubblegum Crisis. Because oh. it fits, because it's all 80s. Yeah, yeah. And to anyone out there who liked Gem growing up in the 80s, this is the good version. Anyway, moving on. Inspector Gadget theme. Yet again, 80s Deke shows that they knew how to write great theme songs. This will no doubt be the most recognized theme on my list. It's it's such a it's got such a great nostalgia factor, but that's not why I picked it. I picked it because it's a good song. 
but everyone knows it. Yeah, it's it's like the Mario theme. You can start humming it anywhere, and people will immediately know what it is. Yeah. yeah. If you start singing on Team Fortress 2, you're probably me. Yeah. <laughs> it is a good one, though. It, 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 uh... Yeah, I... Oh, well, capture it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just about to say I keep I keep thinking that I should have like some some big elaborate explanation as to why this is on my list. But the Inspector Gadget theme, I I don't I don't know that it really needs an explanation. It's just it is what it is. It's catchy. It's nice. It doesn't it suck. The, it fits the series. It's whimsical. It is a nice one. Yes. Yeah. So with that, I guess I'll move on to my number five, which is also Bubblegum Crisis, Mad Machine. As if my list wasn't 80s-tastic enough, I throw this one in here. I do like this just a little bit better than Big City, just because it has that driving rhythm. And I'm going with the Japanese version, although the English is okay too. It doesn't really matter that you don't know what they're saying. It, it's Mad Machine. Yeah, yeah. Mad Machine. Sounds like well, a video so game. If it were, if it were like all chip tuny, I would think I was playing some like uh, Genesis game. Yeah, it is very electronic. It's very. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose that's that's the reason why I like it is that it sounds because I, I I have become like sort of a a, a video game uh, music nerd recently. Yeah, I've I've always preferred video game music myself. And, yeah, and uh, a lot of a lot of anime tends to have music that is very compatible with video game music, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of overlap. Um, the Sakura Wars theme, obviously, being one of them. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I. The Sakura Wars three has that. the best one. Because we'll get to that in due time. Yes, yeah. in due time. Okay, so moving on. Coming in at number four, it's The Mysterious Cities of Gold, a French-produced anime series that used to air on Nickelodeon back before Nicktoons was a thing. Yeah, this this kind of has like a very haunting sort of music, but it, I don't know if haunting is the right word because it's not like, it's not like spooky, it's just very, uh, I don't know. What it reminds me of, it kind of reminds me of... Uh, when Richie Blackmore started to become more uh, neoclassical, he stopped doing like really hard rock and roll, like in Deep Purple, and moved on to Rainbow, where he was doing he was doing uh, songs like uh, the, the Gates of Babylon, and that's what this song yeah. kind of reminds me of. But it's it's less rock and roll and more more neoclassical. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, it, there was a there was a good bit of music like this, like in the eighties. And I always loved hearing this theme whenever I'd wake up early in the morning as a kid. It's like, oh, yes! <laughs> wake up five in the morning, watch yourself some Mysterious Cities of Gold and Arcadia. Yeah, I only saw a few episodes of that because I was living in uh, Huntsville, Alabama at the time. Yay. And back then, to get any channels, you had to have cable yeah, in Huntsville. That was, yeah, I lived in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, even and 
you know, we had over the air, but yeah. But well, that's what happened. It's and uh, so we only saw it some of the time because back then, my memories yeah. were a blur in Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah, we were only there for about a year. Yeah, I I first saw this show on Nickelodeon. Um, I think it's yeah, it was on Nickelodeon. The, uh, the era before, like just before Nickelodeon started making its own cartoons, it was. It was yeah, actually, recycling a lot of French anime and a lot of uh, mm. a lot of Deke shows. And... They had the Noozles, uh, Little Koala, um, yeah, all that. The, yeah, this came on at like five in the morning on Nickelodeon, so that's why I would get up like super early so I could watch this. Yeah, Nick, Nickelodeon had a lot of eccentric shows, and I suppose that's why I kind of have an eccentric taste. Well, it was mostly because like Nickelodeon started out the much way that. Uh, Cartoon Network started out, which is let's just get a back catalog of old cartoons, and this will be really cheap. And then at some point they got like every single channel ever. They get it in their head. Let's make some original content, and then they get a little too crazy with that. Yeah, I that was a very sad day for me because although I love Ren and Stimpy, I was yeah. I was sad that my little that my little network of weird shows went away. I know. Well, when Nick when Nick Jr. started becoming like all original live action shows uh-huh. instead of all these really good old Japanese uh, anime, it just that was that was a very sad day. Oh well, like Maya the Bee, even though they weren't, you know, they were just cute and adorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we should move on to number three. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Which, uh, we had a failed version of this episode on 2-4, and I stupidly left this off the list. And I had to... It's, it's a great song. I mean, it, it's... And the funny thing is, the song actually compelled us to watch the show. <laughs> and, and we found out the show wasn't too bad either. Yeah, and it and it comes from a Sega Saturn game, you know. No surprise there, greatness comes from the Saturn. Of course. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an RPG dating sim... About about Strategy a female game. acting troop that at night fights monsters in in uh, water heater shaped uh, mecha steam powered mecha. It's steam it's steam powered, which is awesome. And oh, and they're opera singers. Yes, uh, yes. Actually, they're actors. They they do like Romeo okay. and Juliet and stuff like that with all female okay. acting casts. Romeo and Juliet with an all female acting cast. Yes, dear. Sounds perfect. That's in the TV series, not the OVA. I remember, I remember reading magazines about this game when I was, you know, a teenager and going, "Why don't we have this?" They never ported it until like the fifth one, I think. But yeah. Well, Sakura Wars Five did make it to the U.S. Yeah, that's, that's the what I'm game saying, yeah. about the U.S. It's it's the one. See, that's the thing. It's uh, we talked about this on this Sakura Wars episode where. Mm. 
the games that don't take place in Japan has this sort of weird feeling of, of you know, you can tell they've never been to New York City, you know. <laughs> but that's the that's the fun of it. It's like it's like um, Far East of Eden when they did their um, their America. It was like Far East of Eden is really fucked up because it's supposed to be an American's view of Japan. So when they did it in America, it was an American's view of Japan. Uh, Japan's view of America. America's view of Japan, Japan's view of America. <laughs> but yeah, I always love those. Whenever they like, oh yeah, New York City is right next to Los Angeles. That's cool, right? <laughs> but the song itself, um, it's got a little bit of rock and roll, a little bit of opera singer. It's got a little mm-hmm. bit of. I don't know how to describe it. They like shoved all this shit into like into one song, and somehow it came out perfect. Because it's it was Sega during their fight. Dun dun dun! <laughs> it's a, it is a great song. I mean, it's 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 energetic. Yes. It's cute. It's rocking. It gets the blood pumping. It's everything at once. And the singing is just epic. Like I said, the the op- they got an opera singer in it. Christ's sake, that joins in on the chorus and I'm like, oh my god. Well, that's the best part. That's the best yeah. part is when they did when they got the voice actors, they made sure all the voice actors can sing and dance. <laughs> because they do live shows of Soccer Awards with these with these voice actors. Yeah. And this this is just one of many reasons I have that although I am like the dub guy, whenever you have a song in anime, leave it alone. Don't dub the song. <laughs> there have been some Funimation yeah. There have been a couple of <laughs> There have been some uh, nice exceptions to the rule, but that's all they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, very hard to adapt them. We, we can't all be Tenchi Universe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so what's next on your list, Neil? Well, this one may blow a lot of people away that this is not number one. <laughs> Number two is the irresponsible Captain Tyler. To the future. To the future. And once again, the 80s just haunts this list because it's it's an energetic song that just it kicks you out of your seat. But it's an 80s song in the 90s. That's true. This song, this entire show fooled me because I'm like, well, this is a show from the 80s, right? Wrong. Nope. Not only is it from the 90s, it's from the late 90s. Yeah, it's How did that happen? It, because it's the it, they distill all the '80s into this wonderful, beautiful anime that just they sure did. hits every single bar, and then don't watch the OVAs. <laughs> and uh, now, one honorable mention I have to throw in here. While it's not on my list, I have to also give a shout out to the end theme, which is also very catchy. Yeah, the downtown dance. I'll probably just throw it in at the end. But in the meantime, we'll move on to number one.
one is Transformers the movie. The entire score. Now, I'm not talking about the soundtrack. Those are the songs that are sung by various metal bands. I'm talking about the score itself, the one composed by Vince DiCola. And when it comes to movie scores, this one is maybe my second favorite behind the original King Kong. Max Steiner, Vince DiCola, two geniuses separated by some 50 years. Now, the reason I have the entire score on here is that there really isn't just one theme, although you think there are. You think there's an Autobot theme, a Decepticon theme, a, a battle theme, a this theme, and a that theme. But in actuality, every, every single theme that you hear is written to play on top of one another. And they do this yeah. constantly throughout the movie. It's like one just kind of laces into the other. Sometimes you hear two different uh, musical cues at the same time. Even the Unicron theme, you think it's you think it's separate from everything else in the movie. No, there's actually a point in the score where you hear uh, one. Yeah, you hear that, but you also hear the bass riff from the Autobot theme underneath it. Oh yeah. And even even Dare kind of has like a little bit of the Autobot theme mixed in with it in certain spots, so it's all made to blend together, and that's why I can't just like pick one one piece of the score. I have to pick the whole thing, and it's it's really one of the most clever scores that I've ever heard, and it doesn't really get a lot of props because <laughs> because it's the Transformers movie, and it's kind of. Uh, it's kind of looked down upon by by the movie really? buffs, but it's got a lot of underground underground love, and people really like this score, and I think it belongs to number one. So people don't really, I, I don't know, I I don't think I've ever really come across someone that didn't like this theme. But then again, maybe I have better friends. Well, I didn't. I'm not saying <laughs> that they didn't like the theme. I just said because because the movie is kind of looked. Oh, down okay. By, uh, well, by certain okay. movie critics, you know, the score itself is kind of overlooked. Oh no, it's, it's a cartoon. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, we, we gotta give props to the movie because it's actually pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Mean, so, the fact that it had an outstanding soundtrack was just, you know, like part of the combo. Um, yeah, meanwhile, for example, if we, if we go to the Robotech movie, they say that the, yeah. the soundtrack was the only good thing about that. Uh, and we all know why that is. Why that's the case. <laughs> Three so, Dog Night. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But no, the, well, the thing about the Robotech movie soundtrack is that they just used the music from the TV show. No, they actually composed some for it. For example, the, the whole Underground and the Future is Now. The future is now. Now, those are some movie exclusive things. Oh, that's they were true. Eventually, they were eventually brought into the soundtrack. <laughs> which is the only thing that remains from that movie because it, it, they're trying to for, erase it from everywhere. It's the Star yeah, Wars no. special, the Star Wars the Christmas special, special of, of Harmon Gold. Yeah, oh, if, never if you know. have Megazone 2, 3, Part 1, you have about 60% of the movie. And, and if, you you actually, <laughs> if you actually have the laser, the laser disc edition of the second episode, uh, you actually get 70% of the movie because it, it has the the final 10 minutes of new animation they made for the movie mm. because the, the, the ending was too much of a downer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, they were trying to it's, it's that they were trying ending. to erase the uh, the the plot that they were all on a spaceship. You know, they 
you're like, no, this happened on Earth, damn it, and we're going to write an ending that says that. <laughs> because there's a point in the movie where the bad guy and the hero get, get kind of, get, they get thrown out into space uh, while they're wearing their mechs, but uh, the movie tries to very hastily it's... say that it's, they say they're in a, an anti-gravity it's a space room simulator. or something. Yeah, yeah, the space simulator. <laughs> the space battle simulator. Oh, yeah. yeah. How, did, how did we get on Robotech? Well, we were talking about music and uh, how much music was composed and the, the something happened. The reason why the, the Transformers soundtrack uh, isn't as uh, praised as other soundtracks because the movie is considered by some critics to not be as good. Leonard uh, but Malton. the fact that it, it's on par to the animation quality of the movie uh, actually yeah. makes it like part of the whole deal of the Transformers movie. Yeah. Uh, and unlike in the Robotech movie where the music is the only thing that stands out, uh, that was yeah. the thing. Yeah, and I was also going to compare it to the modern Transformers movies, where I, I like melody in my music. I don't like this atmospheric crap. I mean, there's there's room for atmospheric music, but not all the time. It, it's like yeah. I hear I hear the the Transformers Michael Bay score, and I'm like, what the hell am I listening to? Are you, <laughs> you know really what watching it? You remember uh, uh, the first time I went to see the Transformers movie because. Uh, I'm I'm fucking crazy and I just can't say no to friends, so I saw it two times in less than 24 hours. Oh, uh, and the thing is, I, I could actually feel the composer working at his hardest, doing his best in order to put some drama into it. Uh, so it's like Sam suddenly gets told that he's getting a B or a C for for his job. I don't know what 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 homework he had to deliver on class. And he said, you're getting a C, and suddenly the score goes, bum, bum! And I'm like, wait, did the score just tell me this was an important plot point or something? And it's like, what would Jesus do? And I'm like, chan-chan! And I'm like, wait, 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 what's with the score? It's actually trying harder than the movie. <laughs> no, I, I mean, you, you could hear that during the entire movie, it's like the soundtrack is trying to make up for the lack of Tension that the whole movie had. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yes. I see. And the whole, you know, Autobot Descent team, you know, that was good, but the thing is that it clashed horribly when Jazz started breakdancing. No! Oh, God. I, 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 I know the first time I saw it was like, wait, what's that? And then this looked like a nice place to kick it. Oh, shit. Oh. How embarrassing. <laughs> So, let's start with my list now. Okay. Let's go. All right. Uh, well, on the bottom of my list is a song that uh, I like to call the dirtiest little lie in animation. That's, I remember uh, long ago I showed a certain uh, opening to Kitty Hawk, and she had the most hilarious reaction of, This is what it should have been! <laughs> and uh, what I'm talking about, of course, is the, the Japanese opening to the shitty Fox X-Men series called yes. Cry for the Moon. Yep. It has awesome rock music, great animation, and, and cute girls. <laughs> yeah. and, and cute girls. Things that the Fox series never had. Well, it was, Japanese can do it better. And, and, and it started with simply... <laughs> and Dog, honestly, dogs are barking five blocks away. Yeah. Car alarm. It honestly, if if you told me that this was actually meant to be for X Men Children of the Atom, I would believe you. Yeah, I, I can see that. 
Guess what? You don't like the, the fox thing? Oh, no. And the, 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 yeah, the fox segment's opening is is kind of shit because it just shows them staying around with their individual title logos just well no they jump they they jump around there's some animation it's not it's not as bad as some I've seen it's it, it's certainly better than later Fox uh, animation so not complete crap but when you compare it to this opening yeah it isn't as good. Yeah, this this is this is the biggest case of false advertising. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know the Mega Man the Mega Man intro. That's true. Super fighting robot. I mean, you see that? Yeah, because I was but, like, but yeah, it's <clears throat> the funny thing though is you really can't use this as the opening for X Men Children of the Atom because who's not in the roster, Neil? Um, Psylocke. Yeah, Psylocke's not in the cartoon. Actually, she was in one episode, but that was a shitty episode anyways. No, uh, the, it, Rogue is not in the game. Oh, okay. Oh, that's weird. But yeah, yeah. Psylocke is in the game, and... Uh, Rogue only appeared on the X-Men vs. the Street Fighter game. I mean, yeah, not that's only, true, but... That's yeah. the, but next on my list is... Futurama. This is a very sound-oriented, and I, I don't know the best way to put it. it it's not quite the Industrial. instruments you're used to. What? Industrial. Yeah, yeah it, it's not the it. instruments you're used to. It's like, dear, 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 dear. It's very, it's very experimental. It sounds like there's some sampling going on in there, but it's kind of low in the mix. Yeah. It's it's like they grabbed random sounds and made made something that worked together. And it's really cute, and I love the extended version of it. Yeah. You know, one, two, one, two, three. Yeah, Futurama. It, it is great. It does have a wonderful theme. It is the best of the Groening uh, theme songs. There's only the, what, what's like only the Simpsons and Futurama, right? Did they have be... a third property? You no, might be confusing so. him with Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, I yeah. would never do that. Uh, I think I think there was like never. talk, talk <laughs> about life and hell, but they never. But they did the Simpsons instead. But uh, so, yeah, let's see two. here. Um, well, the next is the big guy in Rusty. Watch the skies coming at you. Yeah, it's it's super bombastically patriotic. It's it, this is this is one of the this is one of my favorite uh, almost unknown cartoons because everyone I've talked to has never heard of it before. It's available to watch on YouTube legally because the right holder actually put it on the channel. So it, you can watch it legally. All the episodes are there. It's right there. It's a great. It's a great animated program. It uh, you know it has Tom Hanks' brother doing the main character's voice, and he does a good yeah. job. It uh, you know he's he's not like uh, Frank Stallone just sitting around. Yeah, yeah. He's working. <laughs> Sorry, Frank. Aww. There was uh, like I said, it, it's. it's it's an extremely, you know, patriotic, patriotic, get your blood pumping, you know, America fuck yeah kind of theme. I love it. Hmm. And speaking of getting your blood pumping, <laughs> my next one is uh, Megas XLR's theme song. It's, uh, here's a theme that just, you know, it's, 
this is from one of the best giant robot shows ever. I would say this show is actually slightly better than Gurren Logan. Because you have an episode with, with Frank Walker and Peter Cullen voicing uh, giant robots again. It, they're, they're both awesome in their own way. I'll, nice. I'll put it that way. You have an episode with uh, with the sailor uh, the soldiers. Uh, <laughs> I love how you, pro- giant you, yeah, you, uh, that's true. you protected yourself there by not saying scouts. <laughs> I don't know what to call them because I because I was about to say senshi, but I can't say senshi correctly. Well, you so just said it correctly. Offend anybody? Well, uh, soldier, scout, whatever. It doesn't matter. At this but what are they scouting for? There are people oh. who would write into this show and be like, "They are not scouts. They are soldiers." Yeah, well, fuck <laughs> you. I don't know if it's pretty soldier or uh, whatever anymore. So who cares? Also, they they didn't want to say soldier in the American version. Because little girls don't like soldiers. There's lots of little girls that play with GI Joe. Uh, I used I used to use my ponies to uh, enslave the GI Joes. So yeah, <laughs> we don't have hats, so, yeah, but you it's, do. Uh, yeah. Do our work. The, the big, you know, Mega XLR is one of those shows that makes fun of everything. They made fun of Power Rangers, uh, you know, a Battle for the Planets, Gotchaman, and uh, Voltron. <laughs> And Voltron in the same episode. Yep. And it worked. It, it, it's the one of the funniest things in that episode is when uh, Coop came up with his master plan to put the Zorps onto Megas to increase Megas's power. <laughs> and the Zorps are all shaped like animals. I don't know how they got this past the uh, Cartoon Network sensors, but Coop basically grabs Zorp and pushes Megas, uh, one of the limbs of Megas, through the back of the animal. Really uncomfortable. <laughs> I know. I knew. I know. I knew. It was, it was. I can't believe they got away with that because that was just. Well, it's the old Cartoon Network. Sodomy was allowed. <laughs> oh boy! Today, where they just they just screw the, screw the viewer. Yeah, the instead. viewer gets sodomized. <laughs> uh, I think the the most uh, I don't know the the, the thing I, I saw that pushed the boundaries the most when it came to censorship yeah, in a Cartoon Network show lately uh, that wasn't you know like a comedy show that was specifically going for stuff like shooting coffee out of a bin, a, a, a bin of coffee people mm. uh, it, it was in the uh, Symbionic Titan show from oh, Gendry Tartakovsky. Yeah. Mm. Are you talking about the dance? Yeah, I'm talking about the dance. That, <laughs> that was the, the first, uh, the last time I remember saying, wait a minute, and then <laughs> looked at, at the border of the screen and say, it says CN. How, how did this... Wow. See, see, what happened was Gendy, like, t- said to the, said to the, uh, said to the censor, hey, how was that game? Oh, don't, don't look there. Look at me. How was the game? You know, was, was it good? It's... <laughs> how was the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah. So is Candy a good bullshit story maker too, like like Rustin? I think he is actually because <laughs> because Gendy got away with some shit in in his series too. Uh Symbiotic Titan is great. It's a, another series that I would put on par with Mega Sexual. Yes. I mean, it's clearly made with the same mindset, the same 
love for that series from the source material. It's clearly yeah. uh, and it also has lots of effort put into it. And uh, next on my list. Yu Yu Hakusho's opening, the American opening. Mm. One of those this exceptions. This is controversy. <laughs> one of the first times I've heard an American dub, which I actually liked better than the Japanese version. It was done very well, and I may have to slightly retract my criticism of filmation or funimation from earlier. God damn it! Why do I keep mixing those up? Uh, because because funimation actually did the did the dub for this uh, for this song, and it came out good. Yeah. Shock of shocks. They have yeah. they have a couple of good ones. They're they're better than than most, I would say. Well, they did some interesting cuts on the television version of Yu Yu Hakusho. Like, there's this one demon girl, mm. which was actually a uh, futa. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't actually a futa. It was a drag queen. <laughs> uh, but there were boobs, Pablo. Yeah, but yeah. he checked for those and he realized they were fake. That's the only oh. reason why he he didn't hold back when it came to kicking his ass. Ah. That's the first thing he did. And maybe maybe ah I, that that's one of the things I remember. You guys got it censored. Uh, yeah, yeah. In the original in the original version, uh, right before they start fighting, Yusuke jumps and actually gropes her for like you know like an ultra speed version of groping, and then he realizes that it it has. Uh, it, it it's silicone. a man, baby! It's a no. trap! First it was, you know, oh. checking the boobs, and then he went down just to make sure, and that's when he realized he had a... Uh, and that's when... That, so, it wasn't exactly a food, yeah, it was... He found Captain Winky! <laughs> <laughs> and that's the reason why he didn't coil back. Uh, I, I love the, the, the reason Yusuke had it. He, he was like, I'll fight with anyone that shows up. a preference here. <laughs> Uh, uh, another thing, that's one of the things I gotta be thankful for, the Brazilian version of the hack show. Uh, it was great dubbing, great voice acting, uh, I don't know why they changed a few of the names for no reason apparently, uh, <laughs> but they did great, uh, reversions of, of the theme songs, especially the endings, um, from time to time they switched from, um, a male singer to a female singer and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Just to find the, you know, what worked best for the language adaptation. It, it was a great uh, set of dub team songs for Yu Yu Hakusho. And the lyrics were very close to the original, too. Yes. Yu Yu Hakusho, the Brazilian cut. No! Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll try to you know, find you know they're actually version. finding that they're, you know, they're actually finding that pubic lice is dying off and is endangered because of waxing. Nice. That's excellent. That's awesome. <laughs> it's time for intermission, boys and girls. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, geekcastradio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on geekcastradio.com. Skull. 
I command the jaw bridge. Open! Yes, that's right. We have traveled to Eternia to enter Castle Grayskull. Join Optimus Solo and TF2 and Mike as they find themselves telling tales of Eternia. We cover all things He-Man in this 45-episode-long podcast. You can find us on iTunes and www.geekassradio.com. By the power of Grayskull, we all have the power. And now, back to the show. Nobody knows who I really am. I never felt this empty before. And if I ever need someone to come along, who's gonna comfort me and keep me strong? We are a road. Well, next on the list, on my list, is uh, Life is Like a Boat from... Uh, in, no, I'm not Canadian. It's actually a boat that's on water. <laughs> that's uh, that's the first ending theme to Bleach. It's a very beautiful song. It's sung by this uh, singer that is very fluent in English and Japanese. Because she starts the song in English, you know. And then she moves to Japanese on the chorus. And it's seamless. It's it's not one of those weird moments when you hear a uh, a song that uh, you can tell that it's not their first language, you know, like uh, like you get to burning. The Deshko reference right there, but yeah, life is like a boat is very very beautiful. I think it's it's one of those ones I go like wow. I had to check because I had to make sure that it wasn't Cartoon Network doing something on the Adult Swim uh, dub of it. No, it, that was the real ending song. And, uh, and, uh, any comments on this one, Pablo? Oh, I, I gotta go with that, yes. It's great, I and mean, it was one of the amazing, it, it's one of the many amazing songs that Bleach has. They, they have some great performers, uh, great opening and ending. They're, they're very creative, too, because, uh, Bleach's opening sequences vary a lot. I mean, uh, they're made for, entirely different from one to another. And this song is one of those excellent themes that comes around that sort of connects with one of the many feelings that the Bleach series. Yes, and uh, that leads next to my list, the first Dirty Pair Flash opening. another one of those cases of those almost 80s sounding songs you know there's a mermaid and uh very rocking very rocking very uh electronic you know the way most anime theme songs of that era were you know you had a little bit of electronica a little bit of rock and roll some really cool singing you know a little bit of rock and roll no country no country <laughs> yeah. we're not the osmonds no country for old men Okay, anyways. <laughs> and uh, my next pick is from one of the first animes I really loved, because I think everyone knows the story about my sister forcing me to watch Sailor Moon when I was young and <laughs> almost killing anime for me. The anime that brought me back was uh, Kara Kano, His and Her Circumstances. And the ending theme for Kara Kano is an old uh, Japanese song from like the 60s called Yume no Nakai, or Into the Dream. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a very cute song. It's <laughs> it's it's that kind of Japanese uh, pop song from from years ago that that it's catchy, it gets yeah. in your head, you like it. It's like, oh, this is nice. This is this is relaxing. It's a soothing image in your brain. It fits the series, uh, not the later series, but the series as it is in the TV show. Yeah, the TV show is is one of the infamous uh, uh, Gainix series where they blew their budget early on. <laughs> Because yeah. the, because I always joke about sock puppets in a Gainix show where you know after they blow their budget they in the last half they'll do a, an episode with sock puppets. Oh yeah, well I lo- I did actually like that Gainax did the little paper cutout that was actually yes. adorable. Um, and of course it's a typical Gainax series because oh shit it's the, it's the twenty sixth episode and we didn't resolve this. Uh... Well, they were going to uh-huh. get a season two, but the original manga creator said said no way you're making it much too silly um really well you made i got some news for you lady you made your series creepy as fuck <laughs> like that ending that, that ending was weird as shit uh, yeah the, the second the second half of the the, the manga gets into some territory there well i'm but, just uh, talking about the end the if you haven't read the end of karikano go read the end of karikano and prepare to be totally grossed out yeah there there's some there's some creepy going on there i was in love with her before she was born <laughs> oh. oh that's the twilight answer yeah well, i think twilight stole that so i'm a werewolf and i imprint on babies oh really <laughs> Woo! We're taking you in. Yes. Yeah, it's I I love I love that uh, I only saw like one person did a screen cap of that scene where he's trying to explain the, the rope is trying to explain. <laughs> no, it's not like that, but it totally is. Yeah, it is totally like that. Well, I, everyone's like, "No, you don't understand. It's just com- it's just romantic. It isn't sexual at all." I'm like, "Mhm." And then they made her age super fast, so it, that no, way that it's made not it, that made even it fine. Yeah. It is even creepier that way. She still has the mind of an infant. Well, actually, the thing is this. They made her, like, super smart and able to communicate with with them while she was still in the womb, so that's how she got smart, so it's okay or something. I don't know. I'm not going to explain fucking Twilight. This is an animation podcast, damn it! Yeah, Yeah, it's a like this. I don't want to hear any criticism about this kind of stuff that I like, so... (laughs) Because I I see the excuses that get made for Twilight. It's like, fuck you. Karakano actually has an explanation like that, too. So, I mean, it's the... No, 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 she's mature. She's mature. It's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what you say, Lolita is still creepy as fuck as a movie. Ugh. Anyway, mm-hmm. let's let's move on from creepy. <laughs> the next on my list is just Batman the Animated Series. It's yeah, a- there you go. This is a salute to basically Shirley Walker's work on it, to where it was part of the mission statement of, of Bruce Timm and Paul Dini that the, every episode is scored like a movie. 
they said that the rare parts of the episode are where there is no music at all. And that's done simply to draw attention in the scene. Yeah. I mean, Shirley Walker's work is incredible. I mean, she, she took the uh, Danny Elfman theme and made it better. Yeah, she built off of what Danny Elfman had done, and then she kind of evolved in her own thing. And she... I think once she really established herself, the score for Batman the Animated Series is so much different than the, the, the Tim Burton movies that... And I, and I think it's I think the score is better than the than the Tim Burton movies. See, Danny Elfman is not I mean, better than Danny Elfman. I mean, he's got like actually there is one song of his on my list, but for the most part, no, I'm not really into into his stuff. Shirley Walker is definitely better than him. Well, he did do the he did do the uh, Army of Dead the. Uh... You know, Army of Darkness, a d- dead army march. Yeah, okay. He, yeah, he did do that. But um, for the most part, he's just sort of... Or maybe I'm just thinking of recent stuff. <laughs> of course, the Sam Raimi fanboy in the room. Yeah, sort of about that. Yeah. Uh, and we're no, also no, getting no. A, a new Evil Dead movie from a Uruguayan director that actually showed me my first MP4 player. It's close to my heart. <laughs> and number one on my list... I was going to say, but what's this is the name? Ich- yeah. it's, it's, it's Ichigo's battle theme. Basically, this sounds like Whitney Houston, you know, <laughs> on crack. Wait, that already happened. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> it, uh, no, it's it's one of the greatest themes. It, it sounds very, it's, you know, it's just like everything else in Bleach. It's not Japanese sounding. It sounds way more American. It's like, it, it, the song is entirely in English. There's no Japanese lyrics to it at all. It's sung by a native English singer, and every time number one starts in Bleach, you know, oh my god, something awesome's gonna happen, you know, your blood's pumping, it's like, oh my god, yeah, Ichigo's gonna take them down. And the only good, uh, more awesome thing that I actually seeing someone getting taken down by Ichigo with that song is actually something even cooler happening that is so cool that even stops the theme song. Yes, yeah. what happened was Ichigo got all, you know, he released his sword, Bankai, final release. He's charging towards Aizen, the first main bad guy, and he swings his sword, and, and number one's blaring, and then right when the song's about to get good, you know, Aizen stops Ichigo's sword between two fingers, and the song stops. <laughs> and that's that's the, oh my god, shit just got real moment. <laughs> he took the same song away. He can't be that meta. He killed the mojo, he killed baby. The mojo. <laughs> yeah. So that's my list. Sweet. Yay. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. I don't really have like an order, but except for like you know my number one is. It's actually not on this list, but um, 
But let's see. We'll go down it. Um, let's see. Cowboy Bebop, the whole fucking thing. Uh, is very jazz. Very jazz. Yoko Kano. So it's going to be excellent all the time. Um, that intro tank is like one of the best intros of all time. Um, and no matter what uh, music is on my iPhone, it's going. There's going to be some Cowboy Bebop on there. It just fits the series so well, and I can just listen to it for hours. And even the like, the movie's really good. So, and everyone's pretty much heard this because they played this forever on Adult Swim. So, you know, six it, times in a row. <laughs> many times in a row. So, you know, it's a bit mainstream, but, you know, I, I, I enjoy it. It's very good. Um, you can always go back to it and listen to it. Uh, the next on my list is uh, Escaflone, which is also another Yoko Kano uh, thing. And uh, actually, the first time Maya Sakamoto uh, was a voice actress, and actually um, she sang the intro song, uh, which I'm not going to butcher the pronunciation of, uh, but it has bagpipes in it, and it's the best song I've ever heard that has bagpipes in it. And the, the score is really damn good. It's, like, really, like, uplifting. And this is, like, really early in uh, Yoko Kano's um, scoring of TV series. In fact, before this, like, I think she had done, like, Macross and but mostly had done video games. In fact, that's how I knew about her, was that she scored all the Koei games, like uh, Romance of Three Kingdoms and Nomonaga's Ambition. So, Escaflone is really, really good. It, uh, the only thing is, is that the ending is bullshit. Uh, let's see. Uh, next is uh, The Simpsons theme, which is actually the Danny Elfman one I was alluding to. I actually really like this theme, and uh, partly of this because, like, it brings back good memories, and it's also just really kind of cute, and I don't know, I just like it. It's just very, very nice, fits the theme, and all that. Uh, then next I have Family Guy, which I'm going to say the whole goddamn thing, even though, like, you know, there's some stuff in there that's, like, not from the show. Um, I just fucking love Family Guy. I love Seth MacFarlane. And the songs on there, like, You've Got the AIDS. You've Got AIDS. Yes, You've Got AIDS. It's just great. And then, um, the intro's really good. I mean, I just love, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of Family Guy hate out there, but I'll just say fuck you. I really like it. It's like one of the best, um, like adult animated shows since early Simpsons, which I say is like anything before ninth season. Well, Seth, Seth is a pretty good crooner, I'll give him that. Oh, man, He'd he was right born home with the Rat Pack, for sure. Oh, well, he really wanted to hang out with them. In fact, that's why he had Frank Sinatra Jr. on the show a couple of times. Um, I even got his um, album, Music is Better Than Words, which is really, really good. Um, so, I mean, it, it's really got some good music in it, and I always enjoy it when, like, there's the episode where... Um, Brian and um, Lois go to, uh, they go, and Peter all go to Martha's Vineyard, and uh, in the background you hear Seth MacFarlane singing during the montage. And at first I didn't think, it, I didn't know it was him, and I was like, this is really nice, and then I found out it was him actually singing it, and I was like, shit, it's really good. So yeah. Uh, next on the list, yet another Yoko Kano series. 
uh, Yoko Kano score, uh, Turn A Gundam, which has one of the most beautiful songs, I think, like, for an outro ever, uh, Moon's Cocoon, which just, it's got, like, this really great, like, drum, and it's very uplifting, and the visuals that go along with it in the outro, which is, like, uh, the moon princess coming out of her cocoon and her, her butterfly wings are unfurling, it's just, you just listen, I listen to this and I can't help but think of, like, Yuki walking down this corridor about to kick someone's ass. It's what I think of every time I hear that song. Awesome. Yeah, and like the, the the whole the whole soundtrack is full of like really uplifting good songs and then there's some like, you know, cute little melodies in there. So, I highly recommend Turn A Gundam's soundtrack and I highly recommend Turn A Gundam as well. It's like no one really knows about this Gundam, but it's like my favorite one because it's that one that sets set in the future where everyone's sort of regressed because there was a huge nuclear war. I think God it, damn! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like set in the far future. Like, all the other Gundams are way before this one takes place. And I just actually, when I upgraded my um, computer, I uh, actually found all of it, and I plan on watching it again because it's really, really good. Um... The next one is the outro to Ebi Chu. Which, you know, this is a little bit of a bizarre one because, like, it's only a minute long. There is no clean version of it. But it is so adorable and cute. It's really cute and really... And they've got this really um, cute little like car going down the street while while this is being sung, and I can listen to that little little melody over and over. But I've never been able to find a clean version of it. Like I've tried many many times to find it, and I cannot. That's always a shame when you can't find a clean version of a good cartoon song. At least, yeah, at least no one's talking over it. But it's just still kind of irritating because it's like I had to rip it off of something to get it, so... Oh well. Uh, but yeah, Ebi Chu is like a Gainax series, so of course it's got really good music. It's got a little cute little outro. The music in the show is not so great, but that's just because it's like a little gag show. Um, the next is Gurren Lagann, and I'm gonna say the whole goddamn thing. Uh, it's really awesome. You've got rap music, orchestral music, um... The Shoko, uh, Shoko is just awesome. Her, like, uh, which one is it that I'm thinking of? Um, it was the second, in- the second intro was like my fate, was my favorite song from the whole series, other than like, um, shit, like, find it. Yeah, Pier- Pierce the he- Heavens. Yeah. And Mina No Peace is also awesome. I love Mina No Peace. It's just being on a piece. Yeah, so I highly recommend Gurren Lagann's soundtrack, and I highly recommend Gurren Lagann. Though practically everyone's seen it by now, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, and of course, if you if you haven't seen them, watch the music videos. The music videos are really really awesome. Um, I think it was the Libero Me from Hell one that I particularly like. It's the one that's about. Uh, Lord Genome and his rise. Uh, that one was off the first set of music videos. 
So, I haven't actually seen the second set of music videos. I've got it, and I've been meaning to watch it. It's just, eh, moving to Australia kind of has put things on hold. So, uh, next I've got Trans... We've already talked about Transformers, the movie, so... But that was on my list, because... It really, it, like, like Neil, Neil said it best about that one, so we won't have to go back into that one. And then I got another Gynax series, uh, Mercury, Mercury, which has a great soundtrack by The Pillows. Yeah, The Pillows are one of, uh, that's one of the bands that I didn't really know much about until Aesaka kept on telling me I should listen to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, the Pillows was one of his favorite bands, am I, am I right, Pablo? Yes, it was. He actually made me a suggestion to use in one of the recent animations the Circus theme song. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Something that was way, and, you know, joyful, clowny, and bizarre, and crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loved the whole uh, FLCL uh, yeah. score. Uh, and, and he was especially fond of Ivan Rainbow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's see, um... I like La- Last Dinosaur and Right on Shooting Star, and um, I think I can. Yeah, I think I think I can is like the best. I think I can. Oh, when he's like when he's like holding it back and he's like you know just you just feel so epic. So and actually like after this series, I actually started getting more and more Pillows albums. I even watched um what was it called Moonlight Mile actually had the Pillows do like I think the outro song. It's actually a pretty good outro song, but I can't really recommend this series. Right on it's kind of boring. Alright, Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, Furry Furry is just like, has great music the whole way through. Um, and it really fits the series. Yeah. I'm sure pretty much everyone has seen Furry Furry. If you haven't, go, you need to go see it. And of course, we've already talked about Tyler. So, the um, number one on my list, the only one I would consider in order, is, uh, well, from my favorite movies, so it's probably why. Um, Whispers of the Heart, um, the, probably the Japanese version of Country Road, which is really adorable, cute, and I sing it a lot because it's just, well, I like, I like the original song, but, you know, the one, the, I like the version by Olivia Newton-John. Which, by the way, the movie in- starts with that playing, and it's just like, okay, anime, I'm on board. Let's go. Okay, so that's your list, Kitty Hawk? Yeah, that's it. Pablo. Yes! Well, uh, given that this is actually our second shot at doing this episode, I, I got some time to rethink some of the things. Um, sadly, it's, it's hard to, you know, make it work. Especially if we have this whole top 10 format. But uh, I'm going to try it anyway. Uh, this is my, my, my second take at this. The, first of all, I have a honorable mention, which is the Cutie Honey theme song. Ah. Oh, the, yeah. In, it's a theme song that has lasted four decades through four different incarnations of the character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a song about, you know, who's that girl with a cute little butt? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, her name is Honey. <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, this. I mean, I can see why everyone here likes this song. Oh, oh. Uh, it's it's great because it's also you know it's sassy. It's uh, it has this whole weird like James Bond feel to it somehow. 
uh, and also it's fun, which is what every cutie honey series should be. Uh, yes, her name is Honey. Uh, I I haven't found a, a version of the cutie honey song that I I don't like so far, and you, you can tell that anyone working anywhere near a cutie honey series or movie or OVA or whatever is having fun. Uh, so uh, uh, I'm just throwing this one to care, you know, to break the ice. Yeah, I I think my favorite version of it is the new cutie honey. Oh, the one, oh, the American yeah. version where it's, a, where it's the American lyrics? Uh, yeah, that's actually the second one. Yeah, they're both pretty good. The first one is more like a... Is more, a techno it's, song? No, it's not really a techno song. It's like a... It's like a, a rock version, but it's also kind of uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of uh, I, I don't know if it's the one where she goes onikai, onikai. something <laughs> yeah, like that yeah, one? where yeah. it's kind of like a dirtier mix. But I don't know, I don't know if that's really the right way to right way to say it. But it's 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 I a very it's a much more rough sounding version. It's really cool. I know the yeah. one. Yeah, they, they even have an anime version. They it, it, it's a great uh, theme song with a universal theme. That appeals to all audiences. A timeless classic. <laughs> a cute butt. A cute but yeah, butt. A, we should definitely plan for a cutie honey episode in the future. Oh, yeah. uh, yes, yes. Oh. Uh, well, and now I'm, I'm going to go real fast over by number 10, uh, which is the Hulk theme song from the 90s series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hulk! Yeah, that's the only lyric you need. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's all moody and emotional. And it, it was scored next to some neat animation that represented Bruce Banner's subconscious. It, it, it was, in my opinion, uh, Marvel's uh, 90s animation uh, at, its, at its best. I, I mean, at, at Which least... Which isn't a high bar, sorry, it, sadly. Yeah, it, it, it was uh, the best try they, they did. And the opening theme song uh, and the opening credits were all about that. You know, it was... Very looming, yeah. Very. It, it gave you a sense of not only what the show is about, but what the show should have been about. Because uh, we all know they dropped the ball uh, in the middle of it. But yeah. uh, so let's just keep that. Winch and She Hulk. Uh, and now uh, I gotta go with. Uh, I didn't mention this one. I, I, I had to take some away uh, from my last list. Uh, because I tried to make this list more specific too, uh, because last time, for example, I mentioned the Robotech score for the third generation with all the Michael Bradley songs, uh, mm-hmm. but then uh, I noticed that I I only had to you know pick these ten and more specific songs, and then this showed up in my mind. <laughs> this sort of returns to haunt me in the first. Uh, position of my list. It's a Gao Geiger theme song by Masaki Endo, one of the founders of Project Jam, which has yeah. you. And remember when I said that Project Jam made everything sound cool because they were tired of, you know, having the, the just the, the the average J-rock song just thrown on top of animation and call it an opening. So they went and made songs that were specifically made for the character or robot or you know whatever product they were selling 
and the Gao Geiger theme song. It's made of awesome. And it's amazing how sometimes it's just, you know, like small syllabs of, of the name of the of the character just repeated like uh, you know it's like whoa and that that yeah. alone has some weird power to it uh, and the lyrics are all about you know just uh, rising in fury still cyber run from the wild it's a uh, it's, it's a powerful theme song and it's it's it fits exactly what would be one of the predecessors of uh, Gurren Laga which yeah. would, you know, uh, homage this in many ways. Uh, and, you know, this this is just great. I mean, it's just, you know, ga 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 I mean, come on! <laughs> yeah, it's very uh, And then I gotta go with number with my number eight, which is, you know, just trying to relax a bit. It's the Voltron theme song. Uh, it's American-made. Uh, it was made for a show that would be like Robotech, you know, fitting many series together and I love it because it has uh, this huge Superman feel to it uh, it's like every time you, you heard it bam, 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 it was like whoa this is heroic something heroic is coming it's like yes we'll form Voltron it's like yeah bam, bam, and bam, I bam. form the head <laughs> yes <laughs> I mean it's a uh, for something so episodic I mean that 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 small melody gets me every time it's like, yeah, he's big. He's made of lions. He's a hero. I mean, if the Superman theme song made me jump out of a window when I was three years old, the Voltron theme song would have made me, I don't know, shove my leg up a lion's ass in order to have lion boots. I don't know. And then... Let's go with something funny here too. This one's in some way similar to a Cutie Honey theme song in a way. It's a Darkwing Duck theme song. Uh, it's another of those theme songs that, uh, you know, transmits you how the, what the show is about, how it will play out. Uh, it, it, it's sort of sleek, uh, mysterious, funny, with a punch, and that's just what the show is about. Uh, that's Dark Moon Dark. <laughs> you were gonna say, Kitty Oh, I was just saying, let's get dangerous. Let's get dangerous. Exactly. And going with this, uh, people wearing uh, hats, uh, my next uh, song will be. The Carmen San Diego opening song from the animated series. Where is Carmen San Diego? Yeah, it's a. Uh, this is. It's 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 very upbeat and fast. Yeah, all over the top. Uh, the animation sequence that goes with it. It's also epic. It's big. It's like it's big. CMS doing the opening. Yeah, and it's bigger than the show itself. <laughs> uh, but I mean it. Just for that, it's like, well, I gotta treasure this. I mean, it's epic. Even the Spanish version uh, had its own thing, and the Latin version, it also had, like, this huge, fast beat. I mean, it's, it's amazing just to hear people singing it. It's not just about what the song is about. It's just, wow, someone can pull this off? Wow. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, sorry, this beats you, acapella. Yeah, 
sadly, it, it does in, in many, many ways. Uh, but sort of. And no one got that reference. Yeah. Uh, and now the number five. This one's again in sort of in in this weird domino wave uh, with the current listings. Uh, the thick theme song. Yeah, it's 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 that the thick. It's it couldn't ask for a more proper theme song. And the weird thing is, we actually have a beatboxing theme song. Yeah, and the weird thing is that you didn't see theme songs like this in animation shows back then. I mean, they they usually go with something more modern, trying to you know look hip and, and attract audiences. Usually, adding you know like a guitar riff or something. Uh, well, I love this where they actually time the random animation from random episodes with the song, like when you know the scream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it's it's a nice editing job uh, done over a, a nice song that fits perfectly well what the show was about. And um, now I'm I'm diving into anime. Number four is the Sailor Moon uh, opening song, the original oh, Japanese yeah. one, and yeah. the Latin Spanish dub. <laughs> a great translation and it's also a great uh, uh, it's a it's done very well it's one of those few anime theme songs that I like during translation which is the reason why I hate so much the the English theme song because they they, they didn't even try at all it's it's also also like I'll have to say this like Japanese is more of a lyrical language, like, there's not a lot of hard stops like there are in English, and I would say probably that's the same with Spanish. It's not as, like, guttural as English is, so it, it sort of fits a little better, I would think. That's at least what I think, because I, whenever I hear the Spanish versions of songs, it sounds a lot better, because it, like, fits a little better, whereas English just sort of, like, you have to really fucking try to make it work. You gotta blame Unless the was... W's. You guys yeah, are screwed it... by the W's. You're you're slaves of the W. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that is a good way of putting it. Actually, so, yeah. you were ruled by a W for a while in yeah. the United uh, States. Oh, we George we W. Bush. <laughs> yeah. So, so what's next with you, Pop? With your list, Pablo? It's the Digimon uh, Butterfly, the Japanese version. Uh, mm-hmm. And also the Spanish Latin version. (laughs) 
I love that in the final episode they did this a cappella version that then just exploded into the the rock version, and it was very emotional for me watching that episode, which is weird because I mean uh, I I totally wasn't expecting Digimon to be anywhere near my I don't know my liking zone. I, I don't know. I I, I wasn't expecting di to like Digimon, and the, and the music was a big part of it. Uh, which sadly, for me, it was the story with Digimon because I thought Digimon. I, when Digimon, the uh, the original commercial that Fox Kids put out for Digimon, undersold the hell out of it. They it looked like a low rent. Uh, Pokemon ripoff, yeah. but then when you watch it, it's like, oh, this kicks Pokemon's ass. Well, it's it's probably because like uh, they, where Pokemon is like more focusing on like let's show off the Pokemon. Digimon actually like they they thought let's put some actual story into this. It was a different it was a different team. Like I think Digimon was done by who were they done by? It, that's a Bandai property. I know, but the, it actually has a really famous anime director behind it. Yeah, but the, uh, what I'm trying to point out is, like, um, whereas Nintendo just said, let's just make a toy, like a toy, like a toy commercial, Bandai actually has, like, talent over there that they can pull from. So they could do a, <clears throat> more of a story instead of the Pokemon, the first Pokemon movie. Pokemon shouldn't be fighting Pokemon! It's like, what the hell are you saying with with all these with all these cockfights you've already been having in the whole series? Yeah, well, fuck, fuck you. But anyways, yeah. So yeah, Digimon is a favorite yeah. of mine. Yeah. It's, it it always has been and always will be until they, and you know, I didn't like the second season. I liked the first oh. season. I like tame. I like trainers, but other than that, I didn't. That's when I stopped after trainers because I enjoyed trainers and that was it. I yeah. I like the the second season up to the final episodes where they screw it all up. I mean, mostly yeah. it's the final episode that fucks everything that was ever done for me to like that series. It's like, oh, it's my oldest man again. Uh, they, they just, it's not just it's my oldest man again. I mean, the whole, and they grew up, and uh, they ended up with totally different people from who you were expecting, and they all became executives and wore suits and got into, like, business. I don't know, it's, I, I just hated the, the resolution. <laughs> and everybody has their own Digimon now. It's like, what? So uh, I was hoping for more of more of a uh, more of a and I know this sounds corny as hell. I was hoping more of a C.S. Lewis type ending where they where they were you know after they lived their lives they go back to the Digi world to live in peace and yeah I don't know maybe something like that <laughs> who knows uh, but it, it, I, I, know, know, I, I did, I did love I did love Tamers uh, because uh, one of the things that I, I learned eventually was that. The director of Tamers was a huge Evangelion fan, so he, all, all the weird mindfuck that Tamers had was because of Evangelion, basically. Well, I, li I like Tamers because I like the idea of here's this boy who, who just loved Digimon so much that he created his own Digimon, and it came to life, and it was like this cool, awesome kind of way, not this weird, sick, sonichu kind of way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know what, what was one of, the, one of the most touching moments for me in Japanese anime in general? It's when... Impmon, you know, the little badass uh, Digimon that seemed to have no owner and then became like uh, Lucifermon. I don't remember the, his name right now. It was this yeah. badass biker, evil black leather guy. Uh, uh, we eventually learned that he not only did have uh, a tamer, he, a trainer, he had two, two brothers that kept fighting for him and things didn't work with them. And the moment he goes back home and the kids are trying to make it up for him and they're apologizing and serving him food 
and all that. Uh, but then he sees, you know, this big problem going on in the city, and he has to go there, and, and he has no more powers by then. He had been the power, he was back to this tiny Digimon form. And, and the kids, they, yeah, they gave him, uh, I believe it was, uh, uh, Reagan. I mean, a toy, you know, like a squirt gun or something like that. Mm. And I don't remember what else. And he uh, runs off to fight this guy with the kids, you know, like cheering for him, giving him their toys because they think that's what will work to help. And at one point in the series, you realize that the blue Digimon cards they used to make the Digimons evolve were something like the will and the well wishes uh, of the trainers. So in that moment, without any sort of blue cards or anything, uh, Impmon digivolves into, again, this badass Lucifermon. Uh, because of the wishes of these two little kids and the squirt gun they gave him becomes this awesome badass, like a digi gun or something. And he grows wings and that's like his ultimate form just because the kids were, you know, rooting for him. And that was like very emotional for me for some reason, because it was also directed great. I mean, you saw his tiny feet, you know, running, and then suddenly this giant boot steps down. It's like, yeah! Um, <laughs> sorry about that. I got myself carried away. That's okay. Okay, but number two. Yoko Kano uh, showing she's boss uh, with Macros Frontier medley, you know, yes. the Nyan Nyan service medley. Uh, it's when she basically made every small song that appeared during the Macros Frontier series into one giant song. And everything that happened in that final episode had this little bit that referenced one of the songs uh, of the lyrics, you know. And it was just sheer fan service in every way. Uh, music in every layer, uh, two lead voices, uh, great music uh, at full speed, mecha everywhere, stuff, emotional, ah, brain meltdown. I mean, uh, I, that was myself surrendering entirely to what Yoko Kano was. I mean, she owned me already by then. Yeah. I mean, she had scored most of my favorite shows. And then suddenly she's like, okay, Paolo. Be happy. I did it just for you. <laughs> uh, she is a goddess. Uh, I mean, it's amazing the, the kind of thing she does. Uh, yes. And she does all kinds of things. I mean, it's uh, it's not like, you know, this composer or anything that just sticks to her guns and does the same thing over and over again. She, she can just, you know, I don't know, she can grab toothpicks and make an instrument out of it and then make the greatest... Uh, composition ever well and also she's not afraid to use different languages which is something i've always been impressed with her like um using portuguese french russian like i think she's just going for all the languages of the world the the time when she uses hawaiian in a language in a song i'm going to be like yeah you are a god well, even being Crosby used Hawaiian. Well, but what I'm saying is, it's like she's going to do something crazy where she's going to like have 
Hawaiian and mixed with Icelandic or something like that, and it's just going to be like... <gasps> <laughs> I think she she doesn't speak languages at all. I think she, she no, just, she doesn't. like, listens to this speak sound music. of music. She's well, and music, she, exactly. She does have... She's like, she, wow, this sounds her. good. And then mm -hmm, that, she just learns that and plays that. She plays languages. <laughs> she also knows a lot of people who... Uh, who do sing the languages, so it doesn't ever sound, like, stilted or anything. Like, like she actually has, like, good English songs. Like, they don't sound, like, like stilted like they do usually in Japanese. Even with, um, like, she had Maya Sakamoto singing um, Gravity from Wolf's Rain. And, you, can, you know, Maya doesn't really know how to sing English, but it, it, it it's pretty good. It's actually a very beautiful song. So, yeah, Yoko Kano is like a goddess or something. <laughs> In Pablo, number one. <laughs> My number one is reminded to me every day I look at a mirror from the back. Because <laughs> this, uh, this is a theme song that convinced me to get the tattoo that I have in my back right now. Which is Mazinger C. Ah! Project Jam's The Guardian from Gene Messenger C, uh, the second theme song, uh, and it it's all over the place. Again, it's Project Jam uh, making a song about how awesome something is, and given that this time they were singing about something that I considered awesome since I was like three years old, uh, it closed the deal for me. But the final nail on the coffin of myself getting a giant robot tattoo. Uh, and it, I mean, Project Jam is incredible. Uh, their songs are, like I said once before, stuff that just wants you to get on a car, drive as fast as you can, crash it against someone, just to be propelled by the window, and, and turn yourself into a giant fist of burning fury of justice that will crush the universe itself. Uh, and you just gotta respect that. Uh, <laughs> I, I also have... Uh, since I was, you know, getting to all these incredible songs and incredible adaptations and dubs and stuff, I realized there was one song that I hate the most, and I had to mention it here too. Okay. It's the BDX opening theme song, the Latin dub. Mm. I I know you guys never heard this or or understand it. The, the original song was called "Sailing for for My Dream." Uh, BDX uh, was a. Uh, it's basically. Sci-fi Saint Seiya. Yeah, I, I've, I've, an... I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Go, yeah, go ahead. I've seen some of it. Hmm? No, you, you yeah. were going to say something. No, I said like uh, uh, I, I, I've, I've seen, I've seen a little bit of that. Well, uh, basically, uh, by the way, the anime is way better than the manga. Uh, it's a uh, the the original is called you know Sailing for My Dream. It's uh, you know the usual uplifting, mysterious song. But the hmm. thing is, BTX had the worst dubbing I've ever witnessed in Spanish. <laughs> and by worst, I mean really, really worst. I mean, the 
the ruling that the Samurai X ruling Kenshin dub was bad. Oh God, no! It was bad. Uh-huh. Uh, in in Spanish, it was very very bad. I mean, seriously, you know how they pronounce Yahiko? Yahiko. Yahiko. Uh, and and they they made great mistakes, like in the first episode. Uh, uh, you know how Kenshin only gives his name in the end. Yeah, Himura Kenshin. Uh, well, uh, in in the first episode in the Latin dub, Karu, uh, Kaoru actually calls Kenshin by his name before he even gives it, and it's like, Ooh. but uh, but uh, and and if you think that's bad, wait until you hear the B text dub. If it, it's so bad. That at some points they didn't even dub it. You have like five minutes of Japanese dialogue and sound effects. Uh, oh, that's wow. fail. And the the, the voice is... actors actually played rock scissors paper just to see who's playing who in that uh, episode. I mean, there was this one character with this particular voice, and then suddenly in another episode he had a different voice, and it was like, oh well, maybe his voice actor quit or got fired or something, but then suddenly another character in the same episode had the original character's voice. Nah! Which... That's fail. That is fail. But yeah, I think uh, I think we sort of ran through our list now. Oh I'm... no, I gotta explain you about the song. In the song they nah! actually talk about calculators being evil. Oh! <laughs> really? <laughs> they, they start they basically... Uh, let me try to translate the lyrics uh, for the song in, in, in Spanish. It's something like, in the future they will fight, uh, these stars will shine, and a dream they'll come to conquer. Uh, and then they say stuff like, I don't know, uh, every every machine, uh, every invention brings us closer to destruction. Uh, computers, calculators, uh, they are bringing the evil dawn on us. It's like, wait. You're listing computers before calculators. How does that work? I mean... I don't know yet. I mean, I just hate it. Oh, okay. Neil, I heard you okay, have some honorable we... mentions, though. Yeah? Yes, honorable mentions. Let's let's hear them. Neil? Okay, okay uh, well, uh, this is going from, uh, from least special to most special, so... Uh, the first one... Uh, just off the top of my head was G.I. Joe the movie, the theme song. Just because it... Or, or America, fuck yeah, original version. Yeah. It, it, it <laughs> yeah. pretty much is the same song. But, uh... Yeah, it's... America! Very bombastic, very catchy, very, uh... uh I don't know if you want to say techno, but... Very, very synth. There, I think there was a guitar in there somewhere, but the rest of it is all synth- synthesized music. Um... Not much else to say about that. It's just very, very. It, it gets your heart pumping. You makes you jump up out of your chair and like, punch walls and shit. Uh, the I next didn't know English when I first heard it, and it still felt pumped like that. So, yeah. yeah, and it's the only it's the only special song, or it's the only special piece of music in the entire movie. The rest of it's all just music from the TV show, and I kind of wish they would release it because there is no clean version available to this day. And I was kind of hoping that they that they throw it on the on maybe the 20th anniversary edition of the Transformers soundtrack is because they're not going to release it as a single, so they might as well throw it on the the other show. You know, just <laughs> you, know, you, you know, here here's the song that was in the that other movie. Here, it's a bonus track. Yeah, it's it, well, it should well, be a well, weird bonus track on the Transformers movie soundtrack. <laughs> I, I mean, it. they had more GI Joes than GI Joe. Yeah, but anyway. 
Uh, the next one is Macross Runner, but not not the normal version. This this is the song that would play during the ending credits. But for 25 or actually 35 episodes, it would be this male singer, the, the same singer who sung the theme, the theme song. But then on the very last episode, they switched to Min May, and that was kind of a cool uh, send off for the show. It was like the show saying goodbye. And it's kind of this melancholy way to end the show, and it, it was always kind of this. I always kind of liked that switch off at the end that they did that. Next one is called Invid Strike. It's this one. It's this one piece of music in Robotech 2: The Sentinels. Really, the only part of the show that I thought was cool was uh, uh, the these the uh, what, what the space crabs the uh, Invid. Yeah, the Invid. Land, oh, it's called Invid Strike. How did I forget that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Invid land on the planet of the Robotech Masters, and they unleash these like cat robots. They look like Ravage. And they start running, and then this cool music starts. And then the very last thing on here, which is an honorable mention because it really doesn't count on the list, which is the Nico Nico Duga. This is the, the insane Japanese medley of tons of anime theme songs and video game soundtracks, and it's just weird what they threw in here. They they had a Mega Man, uh, they had a Mega Man stage theme that was sung. That, that Doctor Wily stage two. Yeah, yeah, and they they sang. The lyrics were about Ultraman. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh yeah. Project Jam actually did a cover for that. <laughs> I mean, it's that great. And they cut straight from Okusenmon to uh, to uh, to uh, to Haruhi's uh, God knows. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then it goes to Lucky Star and then and yeah. Couple, I I don't remember how everything how it goes, but the my favorite transition is that they go from I think it's Digimon. They go from Digimon. To Super Robot Tyson, to the forest theme from Super Mario RPG, and it totally yeah. fits. But what I love is that if you're reading the, uh, the subtitles, uh, it goes from it goes from this uh, fight fight for honor, warriors of destiny, and then it jumps yeah. to if you follow the mushrooms in the forest. And then it goes directly to the to the uh, Busa Rankin thing. It's total nonsense the way it's the way it's thrown together, but it's awesome. Because the the music just flows, and it's a it's a fun song to listen to. I used to listen that while I was on the road because that would keep me up because it's just like so happy, chirpy, and it goes forever. Whenever yeah, I needed a, a whenever I needed a it, boost, 
I guess it's like a site that's kind of like YouTube. It was YouTube in Japan yeah, it, before it, it, they it, had YouTube, I guess. Yeah, well, actually, here's the story. Um, they actually used to put their videos on YouTube, and then YouTube started taking them down for copyright reasons. So they said, fuck you, and started their own site. Ah, okay. Yeah, so it's basically the, oh, copyright? All right, well, we don't care about copyright. So. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. That's why Nico Nico Doga is just so awesome. Yeah. And uh, Kitty Hawk, you have an honorable mention. I've got a couple. Um, let's see the the Utena um, the Utena. Sorry, in uh, the uh, opening uh, revolution, which I really uh, really like a lot. It's just it's just pure '90s, and it's very uplifting. Um, another song from Utena that's crazy is the song that they play whenever they're going up to the castle, which, like, you know, you get things like, they sing, like, all the, um, the eras of, like, Earth, uh, evolution, like, Cerulean, Devonian. Utena's just full of, like, crazy-ass, like, like, epic music, but it's just ridiculous if you actually listen, like, listen to the lyrics. But the, the I would say the intro is really is a really good song. It, it's got it's uplifting. You're like yeah, and then then you watch Utena and you're like this is crazy as fuck. Um, the other one is Futuristic Imagination from uh, Eden of the East, which you know I really like this song. It's it's really like whenever I listen to it, I can uh, I just start to start to really like. I don't know, it's kind of inspiring, and it's kind of like the, the series was until the movies. Like, I really liked the series, because it was like about how the people with technology are basically going to take over the world, and then the movies just sort of... Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I, I liked both those songs, and so I had to go ahead and mention them, just because like I felt bad not putting them in there but they weren't like you know high up on the list okay yeah um i have one honorable mention it's uh it's the record of lotus war ova opening mm. it's a very soft it's it's a love song i know sappy you know, yeah, it's uh, you know it's uh everyone has heard it before right mm. yeah it's a very gentle you know it has gentle images you know it has dragons flying in the air and uh, yeah and the and the singer switches to uh, spanish midway through it's 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 from a great series. I it's, I love the Lodos OVA. It's 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 kind of like an Anka song. Yeah. It, it's like I said. This is just a, such a gentle song, and, and it's from a great anime based off of a bunch of uh, Japanese writers getting together to play D and D. Version one, I might add. This, yeah, it's from, it's from that era where everyone was doing like fantasy animes. I, I know, but what I love is this is you could actually watch this OV and be like, oh yeah, that's in that's in D and D version one, that's in D and D version yep. one, that's in D and D version one. What's really funny is if you watch it far enough, you'll be like, oh wait, that's the, that's the stuff that comes in from version two. That's something from version two because when they were playing it, this this game, they they got the new versions. <laughs> I I know, I know, it's a really nerdy thing to know, but I it, it, like I said, it's just. <laughs> There it is. That, that's that's Lodos. Yep. Well, cool. Any more honorable right. mentions? I don't have. Pablo, any honorable mentions? Um, 
I, I think I, I already gave many honorable mentions. Yeah. But uh, if I have to give one again, it's a Robotech uh, songs that were made for the new generation and all that. The Michael Bradley stuff, basically. Ah. I mean, mm. he actually took some of the worst songs and turned them into some great covers. Like the uh, We Will Win, originally sung by In May in the first in the first generation and I hated that song back then but then when Lancer takes over and sings the same song it actually feels different it's an entirely yeah. different song hmm. alright I think we've run through our themes now you know a little bit more about our tastes yeah. and yep. uh, hopefully you won't hold that against us <laughs> so this is your host Ben Kitty Hawk of Sparkling Generation Valkyrie Yuki SGBY.com sexy fun you'll like it and Pablo Prino saying good night, good fight. And good luck. All right, and we're saying good night. Night. Hey